Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. Uh, right now, we're talking to Ethan Epstein, an editorial assistant with the Weekly Standard, who's been writing about North Korea. And Ethan, the buzz that I've been getting, whether the media intends this or not, is a lot of, well... They're just making noise over there. This is what they do. It's the time of the year for the party, whatever the heck they're having. Don't just relax. They're just the bad kid looking for attention. Uh, yes, but I would counter that with, you know, we're all going to die. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I, I, you know, the reason that people are quick to poo-poo their most recent developments is obvious because we, it seems like we've been this, through this so many times. Sure. You know, they kick up a big stink. And it turns out to be another way for them to basically extract more aid from uh, Western countries along with South Korea and Japan. Uh, the reason I'm a little more wary this time is primarily because there's a new leader. He's young. He appears to be pretty hot-headed. And uh, you just don't really know where this thing is going to end up. So I, I'm definitely not in the camp that says, just, just you know, blow this off. But the, it's hard to see how... You know, having a military uh, event, it's not like they're going to take South Korea. It's not like they're going to, you know, pick something up. The the traditional reasons for war don't seem that there doesn't seem to be any way that even a nut can make the case for war. So, if he's not prepared to fight, then isn't this all by definition just bluster? Uh, well, I think there are two concerns there. One is there's you know the indirect aggression we can see from North Korea through things like proliferation. Uh, so, you know, it's already been proved that they've cooperated with Syria, quite possibly Iran, and who knows about, you know, rogue terrorist groups or something. So the uh, the, the danger of that, I think, is underestimated. Uh, secondly, there's just, you know, the, there's a military hotline that exists between the governments of South Korea and North Korea, which North Korea has now summarily shut down. Sure. So, you know, there's even the danger of sort of blundering into a conflict due to lack of communication or uh, cross-signals. Um, as a result of there being no clear uh, communications now between the two sides. So even just war by accident is something to keep uh, keep in mind. But Ethan Epstein, that brings us to the other part of why it's hard to believe there's going to be any true action here, which is that the rest of the world isn't prepared to do something about this nutty, starving, desperate regime as far as you know, ending as far as stepping in. We're not going to disarm. We're not going to stop the, the nuclear program. We're not going to even stop them from testing missiles. We're all just going to stand around and look at each other because of the current balance of power. So isn't that yeah. yet another reason why nothing is going to happen? Uh, I mean, that that's sort of the tragedy of the situation is that the North Korean regime has basically a huge amount of hostage. It's got a gun to the population of Seoul. It's got a gun to the head of its own population. It's got a gun to Japan's head and possibly even our own, given uh, you know, not sure how far the missiles can go. But uh, that is definitely the reason that you won't see anyone in the West or Japan taking preemptive action. But uh, And also, I would just add that that sort of makes the case, you know, 10 years after Iraq, it makes the case for disarming regimes before they acquire WMD or nuclear exactly. weapons. Uh, you know, can you imagine if, I mean, this is a bit off topic now, but can you imagine if Uday Hussein now had uh, WMD? We'd be having, we'd be faced with a North Korea in the Middle East now. So yeah, the goal is obviously to not allow it to reach a situation like this. But, um, and, and for that reason, you're right, we won't see us disarming them. So 
I've, I've heard reports that one reason why the bellicosity is particularly bellicose, and that's my favorite flavor, by the way, bellicosity, if I can get it that way, is yeah. because un is unusually weak in the uh, you know in, in his position of power. That the third generation down now, he yeah. has something to prove. Is, is that the case? Uh. Possibly. You know, it's so hard to tell just because we know so little about the internal machinations of the regime. But when he did ascend to power, a lot of North Korea watchers did say, you know, look out, he's going to need to do something quickly to consolidate Mm -hmm. his power. Uh, There were worries that he would do something like uh, similar to a couple of years ago when the North Koreans sank a South Korean Navy vessel, uh, also shelled that island in South Korea. Um, So this was predicted. And uh, still, I think the the uh, the real intensity of the threats and what he's done has taken some people by surprise, myself included. It's just been so uh, bellicose, as you say. The uh, uh, politics in South Korea play a role as well, and my understanding is that this, some people suggest that because of the new president in South Korea and her um, tougher line, that that may be inspiring you know, a, a harsher reaction as well. Uh, that's possible, although, you know, when, when she became president, which just happened a little more than a month ago, there was a lot of speculation that she was going to attempt a sort of Nixon to China thing, because she, you know, she, did, she didn't really need to guard her right flank, because she's the conservative candidate, so there was a thought that she would be sort of uniquely able to uh, reach some sort of detente with North Korea. Uh, it seems that Kim Jong-un's regime <laughs> did not see things that way, because it's obviously sort of... Uh, destroyed any possibility of that happening, for which I'm a little bit great. You know, in a way, what their regime in North Korea is doing right now is clarifying. So this can remind the world, including the new South Korean government, once again, what kind of regime this is, and really sort of put in boldface type, these are not the kind of people you want to cut a deal with. You know, one last thing, and that is that uh, maybe it's part of due to the uh, guys who make the South Park and they did that hilarious movie, yeah. Team America, yeah. and we kind of have this joking view of North Korea. Plus, the fact that we know that the average North Korean—I mean, if if you know if you have two sticks to rub together, that's like having Wi-Fi in the United that's States. Right. Yeah. And so people go, "What's you know?" In the end, what is the big deal? They're poor, they're backwards, they're kooky, but they can't really do any damage. Is that true? Uh, no, I mean, it's clearly not true. Leave aside the nuclear question, as I alluded to earlier, just a couple of years ago, they killed 50 South Korean sailors. Uh, they shelled the South Korean island, killing 10 people. They proliferate. Uh, who knows what kind of people they're going to be selling weapons technology to. So they're dangerous. And I also think that, in a way, you know, I like Team America. I thought that was a funny movie, but it actually did a disservice because it kind of played up the kookiness and the funniness and right. the strangeness at the expense of, really the danger and sort of the evil that that uh, regime represents. Um, I, but, I'd say they're more evil than funny. But, you know, okay, well, then let's now we're going to do our movie review section of this podcast. <laughs> you had the remake of uh, Red Dawn, where supposedly the North Koreans were involved, which everyone just goes, oh, come on. It's just, they don't have the reach. And I know we're debating where their missiles really are, but I guess there's a lot of thinking that uh, the only thinking they can do is one just wild, suicidal lashing out. And because it's so clearly suicidal, it's hard to take it seriously as a threat. Does, is, does that analysis, is, is that too uh, Pollyannish or, or hopeful or ignorant? I, I think it is. And, um, you know, they can, perhaps the one giant nuclear attack is, but as they've shown before, they're willing to do uh, 
multiple, you know, inflict a lot of damage because they know that they have the upper hand. So, uh, no, I, I, they've shown time and again that they're willing to uh, inflict pain on their enemies, including the South Koreans, and by extension us. They've also, you know, been committing terrorist attacks for 20 years back in the 1980s. They blew up Korean airliners. I mean, who knows if, if they'll pick that up again. It's a, it, 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 it would be a mistake to laugh off their, uh, their uh, aggression. You know, I guess we could do a whole show of your favorite and least favorite North Korea movies, <laughs> couldn't we? I mean, we have to, I'll have to talk to the, to the folks at the Weekly Standard about that. Ethan Epstein, thanks so much for bringing us the very latest on North Korea. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. And also check out our offer from audible.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham.